The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 10th chapter. To thee, o Lord. After this, the Lord Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town, and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago and sat in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you, hears me. The one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to continue talking with you guys, teaching you about what I'm calling the Christ key. 
when I read the Old Testament reading, you know, I usually like to preach the gospel lesson to you guys. But when I saw the Old Testament reading, I said, wow, that is great. Not only is it 4th of July weekend, we're talking about the nation of Israel. But I think there's great opportunity here to teach you some more about, again, what I'm calling the Christ key. And what that means is Jesus died, rose again, ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And from thence he will come again with all glory to judge the living and the dead. And what that means is everything's about him, your life, the scriptures, even the Old Testament. It's about Jesus. This service is about Jesus. When I bow during the Nicene Creed, when Jesus takes on flesh and is born of a virgin, it is for Jesus. He became like us so that we could become a little bit more like him. It's all about Jesus. And so what's actually awesome is when you read the Old Testament, there are some like buzzwords that usually alienate you when you're reading the Psalms or alienate you when you're reading Isaiah or Jeremiah. But really what they do for us is they become these little variables for you engineers and math people and uh, things you can plug stuff into for everyone else like me. If you want to flip either in a Bible to Isaiah chapter 66 or just look at our bulletin, I'm kind of going to be walking through it. We begin with rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her. Now, I'm not sure what you picture in your head when Nate read that, but Maybe you pictured being in what you think Jerusalem looks like and rejoicing, praising God there. Maybe, I don't know, you've only seen Jesus Christ Superstar. And so you picture a empty desert and people uh, rejoicing and being glad there. Well, what's really interesting is, is that Jerusalem... What is that other than the place where God chooses to be present? And why? Because his temple is there. Specifically in his sanctuary, in his holy of holies. Now, we don't have that anymore. It was destroyed in divine retribution by the Romans in 66 or 70 AD, depending on who you ask. But we have a sanctuary now where Jesus is with us. We have a temple, which is now a church, coming from a Greek word for the people all came out. And we have a Jerusalem, meaning the church of God, the faithful. So if the faithful of Israel were worshiping in Jerusalem in a temple, now you, the faithful, the Christians, are worshiping in God's church And God's church for you is the Lutheran church of the Holy Spirit in your community, where God lives, resides, speaks to people where they are through you, where God baptizes your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, 
where you receive the Lord's Supper and he reaches out and touches you and says, you're mine. Where God speaks to you through sermons, the reading of scripture and conversation before and after church and throughout the week. And so what is God saying here other than rejoice with the church and be glad for her? All you who love her, rejoice with her in joy. Jesus lives. You are saved. You have been baptized. You have faith. You're here on Fourth of July weekend hearing God's word and receiving his sacraments. Rejoice with the church. And it's so interesting. He closes with all you who mourn over her. I don't know if you're familiar with the show Downton Abbey, but a lot of the episodes of Downton Abbey are about how do we save Downton Abbey because we're running out of money. Well, God's church has always been like that. Lots of negative um, outlooks, lots of what's going to happen, how do we save it? It's all in our hands, right? And then God smiles and said, oh man, they forgot again. It's all me. It's all me, God, Jesus Christ, that delivers these people out of harm's way who redeems them. And so we're reminded to rejoice and not mourn. And here's the part I was I was looking to see how Nate would react to reading this, but it's so important. Rejoice with her and joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious abundance. You see, Paul in Galatians 4, he talks about how we have an earthly mother and we have a heavenly mother. And he calls the heavenly mother the church of God. Which gets confusing, of course, because the church of God is also the bride of Christ. But why does he call the church of God a mother? Well, we're all familiar with, you know, there is this baptismal font in the back of the church. But it's not in the back of the church. It's at the entrance of the church. For when you're baptized into the church, you enter the church. You are born Again, we might say, as Jesus says, into a new world, a new life. Christ lives in you. And what does that mean other than now you can be the man, the woman that Jesus created you to be? Because you are born again, not of flesh, but from above. And so you enter the church through baptism And then you come into these pews and you feed from the mother church. You receive God's gifts from the mother church. This is where Jesus chooses to be for you, preaching to you, teaching, encouraging discussion about what you're reading during the week or on Sunday from his scriptures 
feeding you with his body and blood from the altar, reminding you, sprinkling you with water. And what's cool is you can imagine this being a mother. Why do I say so? Because for thus says the Lord. Behold, I will extend to her, to my church. And when we see Lord, all capitals, that's Yahweh, which means we can say Jesus. For thus says Jesus, behold, I will extend peace. Where, where is our peace? Peace in especially the gospel of Luke is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. What, what did Nate read in Galatians? We boast not of ourselves, but of Christ crucified. We, we brag about it. We're so excited. We're so happy when we see people and they're bragging about whatever, the new car, the new ski-doo, the new boat, what the kids are doing on the team. When they're boasting about that, we boast, oh, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that means I go to bed and I'm not anxious. I know I'm saved. And I, I share it with my kids. I share it with my grandkids. I share it with my great-grandkids. I know that I am saved. Not by anything I've done. It's not even impressive to the world. But peace was extended to me that day that Jesus was born, right? Glory to God in the highest and peace among people on earth. Peace, heavenly peace extended to the people. Heavenly peace extended to above when Jesus died on the cross. Between you and your sinfulness and our Lord God who is in heaven, who accepts his son's sacrifice for atonement for your sins, covers over them with his blood. And how do we know the Lord accepted that sacrifice? Because he rose up his son on the third day. And here we are talking about him. But he says, I'll extend that peace to her like a river. Why? Because we're going to be baptizing kids. Because we're going to be baptizing adults. Because we're going to be throwing water on ourselves and reminding ourselves of how baptism now saves you. This not of yourself, right? God's work. God's graciousness and his glorious abundance that he gives out in his church is for you, extended to you like a river. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man, right? There is, he's like a tree planted by streams of water. What does Jesus say about water? I am the living water. If you drink out of that well, you're going to get thirsty again. If you drink from my living spring, Jesus says, you'll be satisfied. The living spring bubbling up in the font. The living spring of water of his word that brings consolation instead of doubt. If anyone ever says, right, you're not good. I saw what you did. 
And then here you are, you're sitting there and you're like, man, but I was tired and hungry. Everyone knows that I'm a little angry before I eat at five o'clock. And that's why I did that. Well, the thing is, you don't have to rely on if you did anything right or wrong. You simply do. And when you later recognize you've done wrong, you say, I'm sorry, Lord Jesus Christ. I'll try to do better next time. Forgive me. And Jesus pushes past all that and he says, I paid for it. You're forgiven. Stop worrying about it. It's the treasure that you have at the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit. You got to protect it. The treasure given to you by your mother. For it says, you shall nurse. You shall be fed week to week. You shall be fed every day by your mother, the church. Through hearing the word and praying on it. Applying it to your life. Making a living, active faith journey. That isn't just helping yourself because we don't live in service of self. But helps everyone around you. People who are sad, people who are looking down, people who think tomorrow's not going to be as good as today was, and today was crummy. She shall nurse you, and you will be carried on her hip. Wherever you go, it's because she's carrying you. She holds you up when you are down. She holds you up when others say you're no good. Because she reminds you of Christ's words. She bounces you on her knees. You have fun. You have fun with her. You come before. You come after church. You say hi. You meet people you've, you've never talked to but you see every week. And from those real relationships of people who obviously have the capacity to love and care for one another... You build relationships that are worth getting up at 8 o'clock in the morning and going to church for. And then God's word enters and changes everything. As one whom his, his mother comforts, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted in my church, says Jesus. Does that mean God is a mother? No, it doesn't. It simply means God, Jesus Christ, is comforting you through your mother, the church. He is comforting you through his means that he has chosen. Why? Because we like moms. Moms give life. Moms comfort. Moms bounce on knees. Moms carry on hips. God bless moms. And to bring it to an end, I want to bring your attention to you shall see. You shall see. Sure, Isaiah was talking to, you know, the people of Israel and Judah, and he's saying, yo, you're going to see it. It's going to happen one day. Uh, a, A virgin is going to give birth to a son. It's going to be a miracle. Peace is going to be made between man and God and God and man. But Jesus is telling you through me today right now, 
you shall see. You shall see and your heart will rejoice. You shall see Jesus Christ in the supper and your heart's going to rejoice. Because it means that of all the people in Elk Grove Village, you believe Jesus is here. And you woke up and you came for Jesus. And he's here with you. Not because your Costco membership card still works at the door and he's just been sitting here on a shelf, but because we have prepared it, set it out, and I'm going to repeat his words of consecration over these elements and Jesus is going to be here for you to eat with you. You're going to see him, which is why Jesus Why Jesus chooses to work through means. Because you can see bread and wine that become body and blood. You can see a pastor reading his word and preaching his word. You can see water. And boy, can you feel water. You can doubt a sermon. You can say that wasn't for me. You can doubt I, oh, I chose Jesus that day. Maybe you didn't mean it. But you can't doubt water hitting your face. He has saved you. He has called you by name. May your heart rejoice, for your bones are going to flourish like grass if you feed them with God's word and his sacraments. They're going to grow like grass, just like how a baby has breast milk and gets real big, real fast, and has very interesting poops, let me tell you. But the hand of Jesus will be made known to his servants when you see him working in your church. And he will show his indignation against his enemies, against evildoers, against the flesh, against sin, against the devil. You see it. You see it. Imagine, look, a cross. You see it. Jesus has defeated all of those things in that event. By his wounds, you've been healed. It's amazing. And that's why... He pleads to you through me. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves. It's not enough just to come and show up. God needs you to take what you learn here, what you experience here, and to go to people that have no interest at all in receiving God's grace. It's why he called a person like me, a man like me, to be ordained so that I could go into this ripe harvest field of Elk Grove Village and work for him as a servant so that you 
can go as laborers as well into that harp, that, that ripe harvest field where I can't go. I can never be the manager of a family Salesian bakery. I can never be a member of the Sheila Ray uh, Retirement Center, at least not for, I don't know, 40-some years. I probably won't get to retire. I can't go into the middle school. I can't do so many things that you can do where the harvest is ripe. And so, go, empowered by his word, which is active in your heart right now. It's bouncing around in there. Mold over, eat it, chew it. Go, equipped by his body and his blood. Remember that you've been washed. And go in the name of Jesus, knowing that if they reject you, they reject Jesus, not you. And when they hear you, they're hearing Jesus, not you. It's not of yourself. Thank you for that promise, Lord Jesus. And when we pray, Lord Jesus, God bless America. Please, Lord Jesus, bless America. Amen.